Hello and welcome to the Global City Missions Podcast. The podcast is hosted by Global City Mission Initiative. This is Seth Bouchel, GCMI's team leader in New York. And today I'll be talking with GCMI Catalyst Gabe Brazel about the topic, Sharing the Gospel with Muslims. How are you doing, Gabe? Hey, I'm doing well, Seth. Thank you. Uh, all right. So, Gabe, you're obviously one of our GCMI catalysts here in New York. Uh, tell our audience a little bit about who you are and what your ministry focus is in the city. Yeah. Um, my wife and I are from Missouri, and we moved to New York in 2013 uh, to work with GCMI because uh, Jared Looney, I, I met him at uh, a conference, and he really pitched this vision to me that was just saying, hey, you know, I know that that God has in your heart uh, a vision and a, and a desire to to reach out to to people in the world who haven't had a lot of exposure to the gospel. And he said, I live in New York City because he currently did then. And and he said, there is a massive opportunity to reach out with the people who have who have not heard the gospel, people from all over the world here in the city. And so we moved to New York City in 2013. And and since that time, I've had the the honor and um blessing of being able to to get to know and share life with people from countries such as Morocco, Bangladesh, Egypt, Albania, Kosovo, um, you name it. I mean, Yemen, there's there's people from from all over the world who have had very little access to the gospel living in the city. And and we've got to know and, and like I said, live amongst, work with, get to know and become friends with people from these nations. And that that is been awesome. That's been um, really cool. Tell us a little bit about how you spent the summer. But yeah, this past summer, uh, actually, so I said we've lived here since 2013. Um, for the first four years, I guess, that, that we lived up here, you know, we've got to know people from all over the place. A lot of our neighbors and friends have been from from the countries of Kosovo and Albania. Um, Kosovo is, is a country that is reportedly 95% Muslim. Um, and Albania was, it was under communism for a very long time. Uh, and so a lot of the religion has been repressed, but statistically 60% Islam, 30-ish percent Christian, uh, to some extent. And then, um, just 10% kind of nominal passive. And, and we have a lot of friends and neighbors from these countries and we oftentimes get to host them into our home, get to, get to do life with them here. And, and they always will say to us, our friends will say, man, if you could come back, bring your family, we would love to, to show you our country, to show you where we're from, to show you our house, um, return that hospitality favor. And, uh, we had the opportunity this summer to go to Kosovo and to Albania and to visit with many of the families and friends that we have here, many, many Muslim families, um, included. Cool. Very cool. Um, so one of the questions that I get a lot when I'm out, especially doing church equipping um, or any kind of training with church people, uh, there's an intimidation factor about Muslims. They say, you know, I wouldn't even know how to start a conversation with a Muslim. I wouldn't even know where to begin sharing the gospel with a Muslim. Uh, what insights could you give to people that have those kind of questions based on your own experience? Yeah. First off, I just want to say, I think I was right there with a lot of people. Um, just how would I talk with a person from the Muslim faith? I think that, you know, when I look back at my life, um, it, it was in 2001 uh, when the planes ran into the towers, uh, the first time that I even became aware, really, of, of the religion of Islam. 
Mm-hmm. And part of that's, you know, naivety on, on my part. I was, I was a child, but like still could have learned about that in school. Probably did just kind of skipped over it. Sure. And, uh, I think that there was from that moment just placed this fear and this idea that those people represented what I did not represent. I represented good and those people represented evil. And so, um, I think that having a, a, you know, a thought of, well, how do I talk to these people? For a lot of us, I think the first step is, is admitting that we have a fear of something that we don't understand and something sure. that we don't know. That's not universal, but I think that that is a very valid thing. Sure. Um, and so when I first moved to New York City, I had only, I'd only interacted with, with a couple people of the Islamic faith back in Missouri. Um, the people that I had interacted with seemed kind seemed generous, seemed like, you know, regular people, but I never really got to know them, got to talk about religion or spiritual things, um, just kind of had, you know, just casual conversation. And so whenever we moved to New York, it was really our first time, my first time um, entering into life with Muslim people. And uh, what do you mean when you say that? What does that look like practically? I think that it, it for me, practically... There are relationships that you have whenever you're checking out at a store and you maybe know the person's name because you go through their line often mm-hmm. and you maybe know that they have some kids or something like that. Sure. And that's not really a relationship. You, you know about that person, yeah. but you don't know them at all. Right. And so when we moved to the city, you know, I got to know people maybe at the store, but then I would ask them questions about where they're from. I'd ask them questions about you know, who is your family? How has it been transitioning to New York? I'd say, hey, I'm new to New York. Can you teach me some things about how to live in this city, et cetera? And really just begin to to build some groundwork to what became would become actual relationships yes. okay. where we could help one another, offer advice, care for one another, and, and kind of know what's going on in the lives of, of people. And so that's that's what I mean, Seth. Um, but going back just to, to how how we have conversations, I think, Whenever um, I first moved here, I was wanting to talk to Muslim people about Jesus. Not just Muslim people, all people, but this was a people that I, I really I really wanted to share the gospel with. And so I, I spent a lot of time studying about Islam. I, uh, I, I read the Quran. I read commentaries in the Quran. I read, you know, articles about how Christians view Muslims, how Muslims view Christians, just looking at some of those relations and, and trying to find, I, I don't know if you'll say strategies or, or good conversations that, that I thought, Hey, I could have these conversations and this is how I could share the gospel with Muslims. Sure. And, um, one of the first encounters that I, I had where I was, you know, gung ho ready to say, okay, this is my friend who I care about. And I, I want to share the gospel is my friend. Um, Makin from uh from Yemen and we meet up together and we're having conversation about life, how the kids are, how how the family is back home and and we start to talk about faith and I start asking him questions about his faith and and mentally I'm prepared, you know, to use some of these arguments that I know from the Quran, sure. uh, their holy book that I think this is going to be a point where he's never thought of this but but talking about the Quran in this way, he'll see that it actually points to the Bible, mm-hmm. et cetera. And, and I get ready to share. And all of a sudden I realize my friend doesn't, he doesn't know the Quran. He's, 
he's talking about his beliefs, but, but he doesn't know where to find why he believes that or, or he doesn't know really his, his holy book. And, and he was, um, he was Muslim and he believed in Allah and, and he fasted and he followed some of the practices of Islam, but he didn't know why. And it dawned on me early on that there are many Muslims, like there are many people of any religion really, that that maybe don't know 100% of everything that's in their book. They don't know 100% of everything about their God, and they're following the best religious system that they know of because that's what's been available to them. Sure, so they're they're following certain religious traditions that they've inherited, but expecting everyone to be well-educated or knowledgeable about their faith would not be so different than expecting all Christians to be Bible scholars rather than just faithful practitioners, it seems like. I think that's true. And I think that I think oftentimes whenever we wonder how am I going to talk to this person about my God versus their God, we're trying to figure out, well, I have to understand exactly how they think or I have to understand exactly how they view their God, Allah, before I can share with them. And and in my case, there are definitely many Muslim friends I have that that do know the Quran and do religiously practice and do religiously follow. But there are also very many passive Muslims um, or or people who just, you know, nominally have an inherited of faith. And really they're, they're walking very similar lives, if not the exact same lives to most of my friends here in New York outside of Islam. Mm -hmm. And so I think that, we have this timidity and this fear sometimes to say, how do I broach the subjects of faith? How do I broach the subjects of my belief in Jesus yeah. with Muslim people when, in fact, they're not much different than the rest of us? Yeah, they're just normal people. They're yeah. they're very, most commonly, very normal people. Um, same concerns, same fears. Same concerns, same fears, oftentimes more moral. It actually comes as a surprise to... So many people back home, again, I said I'm from Missouri, and and when I moved to the Bronx, people were, let's be honest, people were a little nervous. They said, okay, you know, you've been raised in Missouri, moving to the Bronx, how's that going to be? And I would say, don't worry, I, I live in the Muslim neighborhood. Right. And that would kind of set off red alarms for people because they would say, oh, no, like, surely that's not a good neighborhood. And I said, no, like, really, you know, when when the Muslim people come in, they, they watch each other's backs, they don't steal from each other. Um, there's not the, the gun violence that you see in some other neighborhoods and, kids are well and they, they, the kids are well behaved. They bring a, a stability yeah. to the neighborhood, um, quite often. I yeah. think, I think that's true. Um, I want to go back for a second because it, it sounds like from some of your early approaches to sharing the gospel with Muslims, I hear two things that I don't see in your ministry now. And so I'd like to hear about the development and transition there. One is it sounds like your early approach was very comparative in terms of my God versus yours, my Holy book versus yours. And so finding points of comparison rather than commonality as a starting point. Um, why don't we start with that and, and tell me about the way that that's developed or, or changed since you've been in New York. Yeah. Um, I think that, I definitely had a mentality that, that whenever I came to New York that I was, I was helping people realize all of the falsehoods of their faith and leading them into a brand new, fresh faith in Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. 
and as I got to know people and as I, as I sat with them, you know, I, I mean, again, to be honest, at first I very much had those conversations already planned out in my head. I'm going to come in, I'm going to, to share X, Y, and Z, and that's going to lead you to Jesus. It's going to change your mind. Yeah. But as I begin to get to know people, I realized a lot of these people are searching out God. They're searching for God. They're searching for truth. And Jesus has said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And the only way in which they have known thus far to search for truth is through this guide of Islam, because that's been what's laid out before them. That's what their father was. That's what their father's father was, etc. And so I think that, that for me, whenever I would have actual conversations and interactions with people, and I try to find out what is it that you believe. Don't don't tell me necessarily what Muhammad said, unless that's exactly how it's going through your mind. But but what is it that you believe? And I would find that at the heart, people really wanted and oftentimes believed that that there's a God who had had created them, a God that that loved them, a God that had used prophets um, such as Abraham, uh, such as Noah, such as Moses to communicate his vision and his desire for them to get to him. And we had all this commonality built in between Islam and between Christianity. And they were seeking out a hope and a better community. And they were seeking out the things that I believe that Jesus has promised me. Mm -hmm. And so I was, you know, dawned upon me and through conversations with my teammates was very much saying, Hey, instead of trying to show these people all the things that they're wrong at, which oftentimes leads to defensiveness sure. and uh, a ear that is not prone to hear. Right. Instead, let me, let me show the things that point out the things that I see in them that, that are already echoing and, and looking like the life that Christ has called us to. Yeah. Um, and so that, that I think was very, that was a pivot point, sure. a pivot point in the ministry structure where it just said, these, Friends of mine, yep. they desire truth, and the truth will set them free. And if they're oftentimes seeking out that truth, then I need to I need to remind them of how they're already kind of living like the way that Christ has called us to, and yeah. point them, help redirect. It's a lot. It's a lot easier to help steer someone in the right direction, sure, than it is to call them to 180. And I think that oftentimes our our friends. Not everyone again, but I think that oftentimes many Muslim friends are already seeking out that truth that is God. Sure, they're trying to live righteous they're lives. They're trying to live yeah. righteous lives. They're doing it to the best of their ability. And honestly, you know, as far as morality issues go and religiosity, more devout than, than most people in other religions that I know. Yeah. So Yeah, no, that makes good sense. Game, one of the other things that I'd like you to speak to, if you can, uh, is the way that your perception of Islam has diversified or grown working with so many different kinds of Muslim people from around the world. Because one of the things I see or hear from a lot of, uh, a lot of the people that I interact with that are worried about interacting with Muslims, they have a pretty monolithic view of what Islam is, as if all Muslims are the same or have the same experiences or beliefs. So how can you speak to that? Uh, perception changing in your own life. I think that I, you know, going back, I also have had, at least at one point, that kind of monolithic viewpoint of, of the people of, 
of Islam, um, just kind of painting them all with, with the same brush. And, and I think for the most part, yeah, to some part, I think that many Muslim people would really like to, to be thought of as kind of one voice, one people, one tribe following God. Um, but you know, there's, there's something that, that's not just true about Muslim people, but, but all people, all people, Seth, they're, they're seeking something. People are seeking truth, belonging, community, hope, etc. And these things, these things are all found in the gospel. And so, Oftentimes, whenever we're, we're looking at a people group, whether it be from one nation or whether it be from one religion, we're trying to, trying to clump them together and find the answer that fixes all to do life, to share the gospel amongst a certain context. But I've found in, in my experience, you know, I, I look at friends from Kosovo that are Muslim, two different people. Maybe they, they have very different things that, that they need in life. One of them right now, he, he might be seeking out financial stability and to try to get his family over here to the United States to be with him in life. And he's trying to figure out how does Islam help me with these things? And I have another friend from the same country and, and he's trying to figure out, you know, he has all these doubts and, and philosophical wanderings about what is, what is truth and who is God and what is the role of man and how does Islam enter into those things? And then I have another friend from a, from a completely different context from, from Bangladesh. And, you know, he's, he's trying to figure out, I've been blessed with money. So now that I have the money, what, what do I do with that? What does, what does my faith, what does my religion teach me here? And how do I grow from that? And all these different things, you know, we have an opportunity to enter into lives with these people, regardless of their religion and say, Hey, how, how does the gospel come in and enter whenever you're just trying to take care of your family and you're trying to make ends meet? And what does the community of Christ look like when it surrounds you in that? What does the community of Christ tell you and what does the gospel tell you to do with, with all this money? You followed all the commands since you were young, but now what has God calling you to? And I think that instead of trying to, to visualize each person as Islam incarnate, if we can take a moment and step aside and say, this is a person that, that God cares about, that has real hurts, real needs, real desires, real passions, real struggles, real things that they're joyful about, and that God is calling them to him, then I think that's that's where we enter in. That's where we sure. enter in. Sure. So starting with their stories and experiences as an individual rather than trying to understand them through this larger narrative of, you know, Islam and its place in the world. Yeah, I think that we let, I think that oftentimes I myself personally and many Christians in general will let the guise of Islam hold us back from meeting real people where they are. Cool. So if you're going to leave us off with kind of a challenge or encouragement to people out there that would want to share their faith with their Muslim neighbors and friends, what, what challenge would you leave us off with today? I would I would really encourage each and every person that feels like God wants to use them with their Muslim brothers and sisters. If God wants to God wants to work through them, that that we just treat them as people that we care about, that we ask them some questions, we try to learn about where they're from, we try to learn about who their families are, we try to figure out 
how can I help you as my neighbor? And that we don't fear asking the same things. I think that, you know, we have the, the story of the Good Samaritan, that question, who is my neighbor? And I think that very much the Muslim is our neighbor just as much as anyone else. And so I think that for us as, as Christians and people who want to see the gospel go forward, we need to let fear die. We need to let worry die. And we need to go out and we need to love our neighbor. Thanks. Thanks for that, Gabe. Uh, and thank you for joining us today on this episode of the Global City Mission podcast. You can learn more about GCMI at our website, globalcitymission.org, or you can visit us on our Facebook and Twitter.